Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Jen Someone. Now Jen is a singer-songwriter, recording artist. Now Jen grew up in Manila in the Philippines. She earned a Bachelor of Communications. Now Jen was recently Lauren in Someone the Musical, which they had performances at the famous Pearl Theatre. Now I was lucky enough to go to this show um, the Sunday session, and that was an amazing performance by Jen. Now, she mainly does her solo performances and recordings. Now, she also has played in electric band Zal Dai. They released an EP. And Jen has also started up another musical project called Twilight Century. Now, Jen is an amazing talent uh, musically, vocally. Uh, if you get a chance to see her in Shanghai, please get out and check her out. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few. We are on all the major social medias. We have a Facebook page, Twitter page, and Instagram page. We have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Till Craig Your Story. We have a YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates because I know some of you out there really enjoy uh, watching the video. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Jen Someone on Till Craig Your Story podcast. Hi Jen, how are you doing today? I'm right. good. I'm pretty 
cold from the scooter ride yeah, here. Just all of a sudden, it was five degrees. <laughs> Friday, Friday was uh, twenty-three degrees. Mm -hmm. Today was five. Five degrees. <laughs> So that's well, drop it while it's hot or cold. <laughs> a bit of a drop. Thank you for coming on to the show. It's been a bit of a long time coming. Yeah, uh, we were supposed to do this out in Hangzhou at Avocado, right? I'm in the middle of the forest. But, well, that didn't happen. So. Yes, it didn't happen. But tell us. Tell us about that experience. How, how it all came about and your performance and the whole experience. Oh, uh, Avocado Festival. Um, actually... Uh, a friend of mine said he really wanted to go to Avocado. I wasn't really planning to go. I, I wanted to continue recording stuff here. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, you know what? I haven't been out in a while. And my, my school is going to let me go. So I'm like, might as well. And then I'm like, hey, wait. Maybe they're still looking for a performer. So I reached out to a friend of mine who's one of the organizers. And he's like, yeah, we need him. Who and, is? Uh, Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. So what had happened was uh, my other friend, Chad... Michael, I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to this music fest. Do you want to play with me? You can get in for free. And he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so we, so we went in the, to this music festival in out in Hangzhou, expecting it to be like a one-time thing. And now it's a new band called Twilight Sanctuary. Mm. And I'm really excited about it. I feel like I was like. Where have you been all my life? You play the notes that fill in the spaces in my in my songs that I didn't know I needed. And so, yeah, I guess Chad is the new musical love of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few. <laughs> I'm polymusical loverous, if that's a thing. <laughs> Very talented. Very talented musician. But, mm. uh, yeah, tell us about the whole experience. You got the bass, you got the... The ride out there. Yeah, and the really tents. loud music. <laughs> yeah, tell us about and that. That was cool. And um, actually, right before we were going to play, my other friend, Gareth, from Nautical Nonsense, was like, hey, my drummer's going to play for you. And I was like, what? But we didn't practice. He's fine. He's a pro. And then so Jeff Seltzer shows up, and I'm like, I hope this doesn't, you know, like crash and burn. It's like, you know, kill it or crickets. Yeah. But... He totally rocked it. He's a total pro. I mean, he's got like a, a master's in uh, percussion and like he doesn't just play drums. He plays all sorts of things. Um, uh. And it's just unfortunate he's stuck in Changzhou at the moment because of the COVID situation. Uh. He's like under house arrest. Like he can't even go on campus uh. um, because of the four cases. But last I heard, they're going to go back on to teaching on campus face to face on the 22nd. But for now, it's like twiddling their thumbs online right it's unfortunate but but yeah i mean it was it was a really great experience i got to meet musicians from beijing suzhou like mm. i had a fiddler come on to one of our yeah, songs right. and i was like oh, where do you live <laughs> can you come record in my album because this is i plan to make this my last year in in shanghai as well so i have like a whole bunch of things on my bucket list and Laying down tracks and recording is really a huge thing for me right now. Mm. Um, I didn't really expect to do a lot of live shows, but I think if I do, it'll be mostly with Twilight Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, I will be a studio rat with uh, my buddy Tyler from Flip House, if you guys know him. Of course. Yeah. So, that's, that's, 
the latest happenings in my life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the last time I actually see, saw you perform was someone the musical. Yes. And you played Lauren as yes. well. Uh, it was amazing. Thank you. I came watching it and just uh, seeing you perform and just thinking how how long it would have taken taken you to get all that together the songs the composition the you know remembering lines i mean does that come easy for you or is that <laughs> actually it was really funny because um i helped i mean i know ivan was on your show yeah actually that's how i found out about your show because ivan was on your podcast yes and i helped ivan restart the someone community after covid because most of his core team were locked out of china right. and i was jobless and i was like i need something to do while i'm looking for a job and and then we restarted that so i was actually part of um some of the musical when they did Hannah's story mm. um and for Drew's story like I was supposed to be part of that but it was really too long and then all of a sudden it became Lauren's story after but I started my master's in education so I left <laughs> right. and somebody else is supposed to play Lauren and I said it's fine you can use the song I wrote for for Lauren I support you I just you know need to change my priorities right now mm. And I was doing really well in my master's, but then I got to thinking, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? Do I want to be a formal educator when I move mm. to the States? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, I was doing really well in my program. I was lacking sleep, but I was doing well. So then I reorganized my plans. I said, I'm going to just put, put out as much creative material as I can and apply for my master's in person in Boston to do um, digital media and programming, a mm. digital media and programming master's course, which I'm applying for this week, actually. Yeah. And so it provided me the opportunity to say yes when Ivan was like, well, the girl who was supposed to play Lauren, the government said she can't star in any English thing. Do you want to come back? And I'm like, well... And he's like, you have until noon tomorrow to decide. And I was like doing a summer camp. And I'm like, you know what? Nothing's going to change with me now and noon tomorrow. Mm. Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. And so I had to <laughs> reintegrate. Um, but I had been workshopping Lauren's character for almost a year. Mm. So I kind of knew who she was. And I also knew parts of it that were actually inspired by me. Like the Hey Dreamers part. That's like my WeChat group. Hey Dreamers, you know. But at the same time, um, you know, being with a new cast, having like new directors. It was it was definitely a lot of challenges that I didn't expect. Mm. Uh, I guess the biggest challenge was memorizing all the lines since I had the most of the lines. But mm. my bestie, Mark, you might know him as well. Like he's a drummer. He was like my rock. And he, like some nights I'm like, I'm tired, are we going to hang out? And he's like, we're writing lines. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he, he played actually all the other characters really well. So much so that I had him on video and people were like, why isn't he in the, in the musical? You know, but... Well, um, I wasn't in the musical. Mark does, I mean, he can sing a bit, but he's more of a musician. Drama. Yeah. I know. And makeup artist, really talented makeup artist. Shout out to Mark. I love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
And we actually recently did a live casting class at the Shanghai Vancouver Film School wow. where we were able to make molds of our own faces. That's really cool. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, we're both like exploring different um, avenues and I we might be doing like model cards soon for like a photographer, so I'm excited. I feel like I'm in a really good place mentally and creatively to draw from, all things considered, because... COVID was hard for everybody, mm. um, but add into that losing everything and then your mom passing away. Mm. So that that was really condolences. Rough. Thank you. Um, as Reddick told me though, I don't know if you had Reddick on your show yet, but I bumped into him. I always serendipi- serendipitously bump into him like a prophet on the street, and he's just like, "Your mom is now, like." on a higher vibration and you can like communicate with her on that she's no longer like weighed down and tethered by the troubles of this world and no matter what you do now you can communicate with her that way and i actually do feel connected to Mm. my mom especially when i dance to like the mamas and papas because she really loved them or like eat chestnuts over the holidays because it's something she loved Mm. and yeah, I mean, I joined the club of losing a parent, and apparently it's a, an actual club that you really won't get until it actually happens. And So, yeah, call your parents. Yes. <laughs> call your parents. If you don't get to visit, at least call them. I put my dad on, on my inside my jacket when I scooter, so he can, like, scooter ride with me. Because <laughs> he's still under lockdown and quarantine. Yeah, right. yeah. In the States? Or In the Philippines, things? yeah. Right. I want to talk about uh, COVID. Um, my main listeners are from Australia, mm-hmm. and they always like hearing about because they don't get to hear about the people that are in China, the, the stories that they they don't hear it. They just hear the bad things on the news, and they make their own opinions out of that. So tell us where you were before, and what you had to sort of stop during that period. How did it affect you? And, you know, how did you bounce back? So, the ominous 2020. Yes. Where Miss Rona came into our lives. Well... So where were you in 2019? Like, what sort of mind frame were you? (laughs) 2019 was a very huge exploration year for me in the sense that I got into my first polyamorous relationship. Uh, mainly, in retrospect, everything is always clear. Mainly because I had strong feelings for this guy, which most people who know me already know about, because he's the muse of a lot of my songs. <laughs> and I've been talking about him for three freaking years. So, um. <laughs> but that's a good release, but isn't it? Like, like when you put it down on a song in the music, yes. you know, you can sort of. Okay, that's in the past. Yes, I can talk more about him later. Sure. Um, but <laughs> see, he makes me giggly. he makes me like a giggly girl for crying out loud. Anyway, so twenty twenty, the early twenty twenty, I was uh, still had strong feelings for 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 the comet. I'll call him a comet, um, who was not here but could possibly reignite connection and love mm-hmm. in the future when our orbits, you know, realign. And I was uh, dating somebody here who was studying his uh, PhD in 
um, like divinity studies, reading Chinese ancient texts. He was a uh, Brown University scholar. So I remember when we first heard news about what was going on in Wuhan. Mm. We were like, that's so weird, that's so strange. But you know, being in Shanghai, you feel kind of like, eh, it's in Whatever. Wuhan. Yeah, you know, stuff always happens outside Shanghai. You don't expect it to come in. And then all of a sudden, um, I was actually in the middle of moving from like a center job where they didn't really care too much about what they were teaching kids. I did, but you know, like I don't think they were really taking it seriously, but I was earning a lot more than I used to. So I was just like, you know. But then I interviewed with a drama academy. So I was in the middle of moving. So I was really excited about it. I mean, I was going to lose my weekends, but I figured if I loved what I did, then it didn't matter. Like, mm. I was supposed to teach drama to, to, to children, put together productions, and I was going to be able to possibly work with one of my good friends who was part of the ones who organized Very Open Mic. Yeah, right. First, it was news that we couldn't go to work, and then there was news that things were on hold and then we had to stay home and I was honestly really anxious because in the old job if I didn't work I didn't get paid it was like mm. sort of part-time full-time mm. um, but I think Jen that like the the news that was coming through even for me like I didn't I didn't leave until the first week of February back to Australia that the news was very, very slim. They didn't even know themselves, the Chinese government. Maybe they did, but they didn't really say much. So it was like, oh yeah, it's some sort of flu virus. Um, it's going to go away soon. You know, no worries. Just go ahead, just as normal. But we're going to lock, we're going to lock the city down. Yeah, I think people thought it was like going to blow over. But mm. like the main thing for me was I didn't have income. Right. And because I, I was moving jobs. And obviously, the new company was like, well, we, we still want you, but it's mm. going to be delayed. Right. So, but my the guy I was seeing at the time, bless his heart, was like, it's okay, kitty, because he used to call me kitties. It's okay, kitty. You know, if, you're, if your savings run out, you can always take some of my grant money and just pay me back when That's things right. reopen. Sounds simple, right? But then two days later, he was on a video call couldn't look me in the eye and he's like kitty I need to go and I'm like what <laughs> yeah and he had already booked the ticket and everything so I was just nice. like uh but so what did I do I toughed it out set you know I helped him you know get ready to go he left and the next day I was just like we're still shooting my music video to my videographer. And he was like, are you sure there's a virus outside and it's so cold? And I like took off my took off my outer jacket. I'm like, no, we're shooting this now. Because in my mind, I was trying so hard not to feel too much. Mm. Because, I mean, even the guy I was seeing was like, I feel like you're not telling me. I don't know what if I'm what I'm doing is right. And it's like, I feel like you're abandoning me when I need you the most. Mm. And then I was like, but you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on my video for the next day and then I'll figure things out. Mm. But actually, um, the guy I was seeing encouraged me to go see my mom because I, I had been saying I should go see her because she's not well. Mm. And then he was like, oh, maybe then you can meet me somewhere else. But honestly, with the way things played out, I kind of knew in my heart that I, no, you know, like, 
was a good run, but if this is how you're going to react, I'm going to just no. And, you know, I knew who I really wanted anyway. I felt like in some way I just was was afraid of my own heart at that time. And um, But now everything is very clear to me. <laughs> I went to the Philippines to go see my mom. I was there for like a month and a half. I tried to look for work. I couldn't find a job that was even close to what I was used to earning. I wouldn't be able to live on my own. It was so rough. And then it was reverse culture shock. Then the virus started spreading around the world. And then I tried to get to Thailand to go see some friends who got stuck in Thailand, maybe find some backup work. But because I had a valid working visa into China, the Philippine government was like, no, there's a travel ban, you can't leave. Mm. And they treated me like crap. My mm. own country, like, that's a whole other thing. Like like a dog on the ground with my papers. But wasn't the Philippines like hit really hard? They're still still under yes, a, yeah. like total lockdown, right? Yeah. And um my friend Giuseppe, you might know him from very open mic, he was like he's like, Babe, come back to China, even if you don't work with a drama company, I'm sure you'll find a job. Mm. And then my videographer was like, If you're gonna leave you better leave now. Mm. Before like numbers climb, yeah, and then you get a not non green code. So I was like not knowing what to do, and I remember normally I'm the more prayerful one in my family, and people ask me to pray, but I was just so like sleep deprived for twenty two days. My mom wasn't well. I felt like I I was going insane. I thankfully I found a support group, but like. I was like, Mom, I don't know what to do. Can you pray for me? And, you know, she, she, she prays with me. And she said, do you really want to go? If Giuseppe thinks you should go, go. And she goes, and if you need help, put on the card. Just do what you need to do. Yeah, and so I was just like, okay. And then, you know, whenever, when, when there's so much going on, then your mom's not well. Like, everybody, like, has their own opinion about what you did. But in my own heart, I think... I left with my mom's blessing and I got to see her. I got to <laughs> take her to the grocery and she hadn't been to the grocery in a whole year because oh. she was so weak. And she ended up, it was super funny, she ended up stealing someone else's cart by mistake and saying <laughs> that my dad put expensive stuff in the cart. I'm like, but mom, this is not our cart. And she's like, really? So it was really hilarious. And so like, I got to make nice memories with her even though it was a really rough time for for me and I wish I could have done more but I had no legs to stand on and I was just beginning to try to process everything that was going on because I had lost my job the guy I was seeing my favorite flatmate I left her like with a month's rent I packed up my life in 11 hours and then was just gone with complete with goggles and like gloves and not knowing what was going on with the virus but I made it back to China on March 15, 2020, and then boom, the border shut on the 28th. Right. Someone the musical, and doing that with Ivan helped me stay sane. Mm. And then eventually I, I joined a job. I found a job after five months. And it was a hard year, because my mom was passing as I was starting. Um, but I, I had a really nice principal who you know felt compassion for me and gave me a chance because it was like my first time 
actually cracking the whip as a homeroom teacher and not being the fun subject teacher. Um, but I cut, I definitely cut my teeth as a teacher in that in that um, job, and I would say, I, I would say I'm a pretty good homeroom teacher. I feel like my kids have amazing manners. <laughs> still now? Yes, I am still a homeroom teacher, among all the other things I do. I do voice. Oh, okay, I do voice <laughs> acting. I do um, well performing. Um, yeah, I do voice acting for like games and cartoons. Mm. Yeah. And do you know Mark Wengoleski? He he was just on the podcast too. He just he does all voiceovers as well. Mark Okrasinski. Wengoleski. Oh, is this Grant's friend? Yeah. I think Grant had mentioned it to me, but mm. like, it's not something. Or no, somebody who knew Grant mentioned it to me. But um, I I work with a specific studio. I've been with them for about four years. My former bandmate Clem brought me to one of his demos, and I've just yeah. been recording for them ever That's since. Great. I think my favorite role that I did for them, but that show eventually got cancelled, was a chameleon that wanted to be a dinosaur. Right. Yeah, so it was, his name was Didi. Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, it was, it was, it was so fun. Still so fun, but I'm still waiting for the chance to do another cartoon, because that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And not some random Excel file with a million characters and changing my voice. Uh. It pays well, though, so I <laughs> can't complain. That's great. And, you know, so there's always like a light at the end of the tunnel, so you got a new job, did you start your music back up then, or was it like a slow process as well? Uh, Some of the musical would have taken a lot of your time, right? I was, um, I had written the 5th of May, like, with Ivan before mm. coronavirus happened, so I started working on that more. I, can't, I never stopped writing songs. Yeah, that's, always, and that's what I was going to ask. I, I always yeah. kept writing songs, and I eventually... Because actually, um, my former boyfriend's roommate gave me a place to stay because I was homeless. Mm. Um, but it was hard staying in my ex-boyfriend's room. Uh, so I eventually ended up moving in with Ivan. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it just, it just became a house of creativity and, and a safe place and... So, camaraderie so and tell us about work. tell us about you and you and Ivan then like working with him and he sounds like someone who's sort of like taking you under his wings right um I guess we we take we were able to take each other in, into each other's wings like mm. um it's it started out like we met because I saw someone post a song that they had done um it was don't hold back and Toto had posted it and I was like what's this song she's like you have to meet Ivan and then I met him, and I was like, oh my god, like, songwriter, you know, friend, and, um, and I guess we related in a lot of ways, because, like, his mom is from the Philippines, but he grew oh, up in yeah, England, yeah. and then for me, I felt like a third culture kid in the Philippines, you know, I didn't, I mean, I have an appreciation for Asian culture, but I think I lean more toward, towards the Western mindset. Yeah, with Ivan... It was it was really nice to be able to live with Ivan for a time. I think we got along very well, and we were able to support each other um, as friends and as artists. It was also convenient because since I was doing someone the musical, mm. you know, I could help and we could go home together. It helped keep me motivated and also keep me up at night but <laughs> but but I would always remember him popping in and being like hey do you have time can I can you workshop this song with me I'm like 
I'm tired. Especially since I was like teaching like tiny humans. Yes. But, but then I was like, oh, okay, let's do it. And then I'd be awake again. And um, I guess being with Ivan helped me rediscover my first love, which was theater. I My sister took me to the theater when I was six years old. And um, that was the first time I, I was in a play. Um, it was Godspell, which is funny because after my separation in 2016, I was casted into Godspell in Shanghai mm. by Dreamweaver. That's great. I don't remember. I don't even know how Anne saw me or where she saw me, but I was like... And at first, since I was going through my separation, I was like, oh, no, no. And then after a few weeks of partying and getting drunk, I'm like, this is not me. I need something productive to do. And then I reached out to her and she said, oh, it was full. And then serendipity happened. They lost their soprano and I was there. And I was the existential atheist that all of a sudden became the first disciple. And I just felt like it was both like, you know, like rediscovering who I was as an artist and rediscovering who I was as a person of faith. So it was very serendipitous and that was the time they were cracking down left and right with, with foreign arts and and you know and and uh james at the time was just like this is the unstoppable show and she made it happen and yeah we had four sold out shows and and actually your former band I and mean, your bandmate josh like he he was my roommate at the time and he's like oh my god you're like embarrassing all the time like in my room and the the, the walls were very thin but when he watched the show, he was like, okay, it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, I, I've always loved theater, like musical. Like, it's basically my two sisters. Ginger had Andrew Lloyd Webber playing in her room. And yeah. my left side, my sister Dish had Radiohead. And, you know, <laughs> like, so I love both the theater and the rock. So, um, being part of some of the musical allowed me to do both mm. because, I mean, modern theater is like branched out more into rock music as well. Yeah. Ivan was mainly inspired by Rent and that's a musical that my sister introduced to me as well. So, mm. it was just serendipitous and he's still one of my best friends and I'm grateful he's in my life. That's great. We don't live together anymore, but, you know. I mean, physically, but creatively, I think we will always intersect in doing workshops. And I told him for the next run, I don't think I can act or be as involved with rehearsals because mm. I want to record and do yeah. my, my stuff. But I said, if you want to, you know, someone to do a guest composer mm. or if, I, if you want me to do a scene or whatever, something I can do on my own and just show up because like I, I, I can't give that kind of time commitment anymore. Did I see that they're on to the next part? They're rehearsing for the next part? Uh, they're doing workshops now and mm -hmm. bringing people together, gathering interest to see who wants Very to be a part nice. of Logan's story. Um, so if you do want to be part of that... Um, Josh! Not mentioning any names, Josh Pemberton. <laughs> yes, Josh, bro. Yeah, Josh used to live with me. So we miss you. Go do it. Do it. <laughs> I it might bring you back to life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back and uh, go up to where you grew up. So I do believe you did grow up in Manila. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Born in Manila? Mm -hmm. 
All right, so tell thriller us... Thriller in Manila. Yeah. <laughs> I was the thriller, no, I'm kidding. So yeah. tell, tell us about those, uh, the memories of growing up in Manila. Like, uh, I haven't met too many people that are born there, so tell us what, what it's like. Uh, you know, I, I visited there a couple of years ago, and it's amazing. Uh, I think I had more fun outside of Manila. For sure. <laughs> uh, visiting some other places. But it's not that I didn't like Manila. Manila was still great. I had a great time there. I spent maybe four or five days there. I mean, yeah. Manila's the place to be if you want to, like, if you if you grow up there and you want to study, get a good education, mm. um, business opportunities, but... But you know what? The one more th- beautiful place that's yeah. definitely in the Philippines. Exactly. But, <laughs> but the one thing that I, I found, and maybe it was just, the, like, uh, where I went, the people was so nice to me. I just, like, sir, thank you, sir, and, and, like... Respectful. Very respectful and courteous, and... That's why you, the, the BPO is hiring them for customer service. And you don't, you don't get that much in other countries, and uh, I, I found that very uh, surprising. But uh, I accepted that. That was great. <laughs> tell us about it, and, and then tell us, were your mum and mum and dad involved in the entertainment industry? Like, tell us growing up, growing up there, I know, what was all like? So, growing up in Manila, but feeling like a third culture kid, and mm. also being semi-sheltered was interesting. Mm. Um, I am the youngest of three sisters, they used to call us the, they still call us the Tres Marias, the three Marias. Right. Um... So is there going to be a play with them? No. <laughs> but I came eight years after my second sister, Tish. Ginger um, came 11 years before me. Oh. And apparently there was like a, a prayer battle of like my dad wanting a son and then I still ended up coming out as well. But uh-huh. I think I think like he kind of got the best of both worlds because my mom used to complain that I would walk like, like with a swagger. So, I mean, I'm a tough girl. <laughs> I mean, she always used to say that Filipino men would be intimidated by me. <laughs> so, I think she kind of knew that I would either, like, date someone who was, you know, um, Filipino but grew up somewhere else or a foreigner. Mm-hmm. So was This the... is going to sound weird, but being... Because I'm, I'm lighter-skinned than a lot of Filipinos. So, the lighter-skinned Filipinos... I guess in some way understand white privilege mm-hmm. um, because there's a privilege of being you know being English speaking or um, having whiter skin but you're also a target for a lot of um, unfortunately like sexual harassment um, and also just misconstrued ideas of like um, your social class and so yeah I honestly I have mixed feelings I mean, ab- about where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to leave, to be honest. Because right. yeah. I was bull- <laughs> I was bullied from third grade all the way up to high school. But apparently all the rock stars have been bullied, so it's fine. No. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up like in all all Catholic girls' school. And yeah. I grew up with some like politician kids. And mm-hmm. because I spoke English, like I was um, extra, I guess, yeah. for them. I, I joined theater since I was in third grade, but I noticed ever since then, like, it became an issue. Um, Why? Back then, I mean, like, some people would say, oh, they're just insecure, they're jealous of you, but when you're a kid growing up, you're, you know, you feel insecure, yeah. and you're like, "What? why? Yeah. Um, 
my one friend eventually in university who was there throughout um, my bullying stages, I think hit the nail on the head when she said, I think it's because at a young age you were sure of who you were mm. and that threatened people. Yeah. So the only way they could come up with uh, dealing with that is to tear you down. And it was sad because a lot of the people, like one-on-one, they were really nice to me and they were pretty great. But like as a group, the herd mentality, group think, Mm -hmm. I think the worst part was having my best friend write a letter to me like with a whole bunch of other people kicking me out of the group that I didn't even want to be a part of and I only joined. Mm -hmm. That was seventh grade. I only joined because she did. She wanted Mm -hmm. to. Like, I've always been content to have, like, that one best friend, and it's us against the world. Although now I have a lot of best friends, so... (laughs) I think being bullied made me more sensitive towards people. And it also pushed me towards digging deep into my my faith, my craft, Mm -hmm. and it pushed me towards the internet. Because I I look young, but I'm 38 years old, and I witnessed the advent of the internet. And when it opened up, I was like, people I can talk to! (laughs) And then, you know, just all the art and the, you know, just the exposure to music and and possibilities, like putting my vocal on like some random thing and then being part of editor's pick on, you know, like uh, ccmixter.org and stuff. Like it was just like, this whole world of possibilities opened up for me. Yeah. So I am so grateful for the internet. <laughs> and tell, tell us a bit about your parents. Like, were they in the entertainment industry? Like, uh, were you listening to music at a very young age? Oh, I grew up, like, singing in, in the car. Right. Um, my dad was not a Beatles guy. He was a Beach Boys guy. Beach Boys, Beverly right. Brothers, and um, Elvis. And <laughs> pretty so, uh, impressive singers, there, like this. yes. <laughs> my mom is more of an introvert, mm-hmm. although she used to. I used to do like boogie dancing with her, like at home. Bit but of funk heard, or hmm? bit of funk or. She liked the mamas and papas, um, but she she was also a pretty good dancer. Although she she was more reserved than than my dad. My dad was part of an all male vocal group before there were boy bands. <laughs> I don't think my dad would ever consider himself a boy band. Well, having Elvis and, and the Beach Boys, like, if you're going to do covers of them, you'd want to be a good singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad... Um, I'm trying to remember. This name, the name of their band was called the Looney Larks. Right. And if you see my dad... Well, now they say he looks more like Colonel Sanders like or, or like Kenny Rogers. But, um, Could be worse. <laughs> he, when he was younger, he looked like Tom Selleck. Yeah. Wow. He's got the stash and oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and my mom and dad actually met in New York City. Right. At a party. So your mom's Filipino, your dad's American? My dad grew up in American school, but in another city in the Philippines. But oh. he's got strong German roots. And oh. he, they actually thought he was American when he was a baby because he had blondish hair. And this is not so pleasant, but I'll say it anyway. There's like the Japanese soldiers tried to off him when he was a baby because of that. But his nanny was half Japanese, half Filipino. And he used to have like this picture of my great-great-grandfather mm. named Erman Gruber. And... 
I used to be like, who's this dude on the wall? And he'd just be like, oh, he's your great-great-grandfather, and he's the reason you're alive, and I'm alive. So, like, they bowed to this photo and spared his life. Yeah. Although, I think with the moving of houses, this picture, like, got lost. But it's kind of sad because that was a very historic picture. Mm. Thank you, Erman Gruber. <laughs> and you're talking about your faith as well. So, was that also, like, at a young age, or did, was that... Well, like, my family, like, I was born and baptized Catholic, but my family joined, like, a renewed Catholic group, and then later joined, um, I guess, a non-denominational sort of evangelical group. Was that tough for you? I mean, uh, did you have, like, was it a good upbringing being in, like, a Catholic family? Because... I didn't, I wasn't Catholic long. <laughs> yeah. I think it just got harder when, so I went to Sunday school, and I love Sunday school, mm -hmm. like... I just felt like it was very uplifting, and I loved the worship. I thought masses were boring, <laughs> um, but because some of the people in my family were Catholic, some of them were not, so there would be some discussions, right. and you know, like the, there would be the joke about the born agains or the burn agains, or oh, yes. and then there would be the closed Catholics, and I'm just like, why can't we all just get along? Being it's Catholic. all yeah. it's all the same, yeah. you know. I mean, it's like. I mean, come on, it's all about Jesus for both of them, so I'm like, why? Apparently the same person. Yeah, and so when I went to university, I was very big on ecumenical kind of um, events. Mm -hmm. So I was actually able to get like an ecumenical event run in a Jesuit school, which is kind of unheard of. Um, and I did an event more focused on purpose called like, what's this life for? So I was very active. Mm. Um, I, I think I went a bit extreme in the sense that um, I was very sheltered. I think I lost a huge part of popular music as I got into like Christian contemporary music so much. Um, but later on, I got to you know be more um, exposed. And I think right now my faith is more about um, spirituality and a relationship of love mm. and just being love to people. And um, I think if God is real, and then that's His job to like relate to people as as He wants to, and and vice versa. I just don't feel like I should hide it, but at the same time, I don't feel like I should be stuffing it down people's throats because mm. I don't like that either. Yeah, especially post divorce, like feeling really judged by people in the faith. That was pretty rough. Mm -hmm. But then there were those who also surprised me, like my youth group members. <laughs> like they're like, it's okay, God still has a plan. I'm like, wow. And I think growing up, there were some challenges at home which I won't get into. Um, but like, I think I always had this idea that I had to follow all these like Christian rules, mm -hmm. or like, in order to not repeat the same mistakes that I saw. But then when when I separated, I would have to say it's really interesting because our separation was one of the most loving separations I could share. Like, I bought him his last meal because China, like, his last job, like, effed him over his, with his last salary. He helped me move. Um, and, yeah, like, I would just say it was, like, one of the most loving separation stories you probably hear of. And... It totally flipped my idea of what I felt could be like a good testimony or um, story of, of my faith. But then I realized 
my faith is not even about me. It's about the grace that I receive in spite of all the challenges and just the ability to love and the ability to keep believing and not be jaded by all the shit that happens in life. I mean, I, I would even go as far to say I'm grateful for what happened in coronavirus, even though it was really hard. I feel like a huge, deep work in, in, inside of myself, accepting myself, celebrating myself, appreciating art and Make gratitude and people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as they say. There's a reason it's a cliche. So tell us about music. Your first recollections of like playing music, learning about music. You played guitar. You great singer. Did you have to? Was it something that you had to work out really hard, or something just came very natural to you? I was put on a table when I was three years old and asked to sing to my grandma. <laughs> That's how it started. That's a good start. <laughs> And then, you know, we would sing in the car, Pimbambe, on our way to Pimbambe. So, like, I mean, there was a lot of musical exposure growing mm. up. As I told you, that my dad with the oldies, yes. my sister with Andrew Lloyd Webber, and my other sister with Radiohead. So I was surrounded by music. But when did you actually start sort of saying, okay, this is what something that I want to do as well? Well, when I, was, when I first went to a theater with my sister when I was six years old, I think I just caught the theater bug. Yeah. And just the ability to, like, be someone else and feel larger than life. And, yeah, there's just something about the stage. <laughs> and were you doing, like, when was, like, the first sort of stage performance? I was six, seven, or eight. Wow. And I was the kid who died and rose again in Godspell, as I told you earlier. Um, and at the same time, I was, like, part of, like, their TV class um project where i was kidnapped and i remember it was funny because we were like at the like the back that looked like a forest and then like my sister's two like classmates had to kidnap me <laughs> and my, apparently i was so convincing my sister got worried she's like, you okay <laughs> yeah i'm fine just acting <laughs> and i remember my sister had to memorize shakespeare and i was around seven and she was like to bathe fish with all and apparently, like, I was just listening to her, and I just memorized it, and I just, off the bat, recited it and surprised everybody. Wow. And I remember my first visit to the States, I, I heard stories of me just singing on the New York, you know, train with my caboodle, which was like a coin bag, and it was a gift to me. And people thought it was, like, busking, <laughs> and they were putting coins inside my caboodle. So, like, I grew up with a natural born confidence but to be honest i lost it for a long time mm. why well i taught myself guitar when i was 14 so there was the yeah. bullying that was one yeah and but um, playing guitar sort of passed that away like or was it i taught myself guitar i bought myself a chord chart i yeah. locked myself in my room and figured it out yeah. like a nerd Old school. <laughs> what, what you no YouTube yet back then. No, what were you trying to learn? What song? D A G A. No, uh, uh, chords, not actual songs. Just. Ah, uh, I think the, the 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 typical song that people always hear, which is more than words with the finger picking. Um, but I wrote my first song <laughs> for Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys with D A G A back. And it was about his lopsided grin or something. I was a Backstreet Boy fanatic. Yeah. 
in grade school and high school that kept me sane with the bullying. There was one particular song called Roll With It. And it was like, if you ever feel like no one cares and you try your best, but you get nowhere, don't give in. So it's just like about not giving up. Yes. And, you know, if you feel like a misfit, you know, like just hang in there, basically. Yes. When I started to realize that I was, um, I could write songs. At first I was like, oh, I don't know. Mm, shy. Yeah. And this is like the whole spirituality thing kicking in. Like there was this really cool band called D12. It wasn't a rapper band. It was like some other band. Um, like kind of like incubus kind of sound except they were spiritual <laughs> and then the lead singer i think his name was moby if i recall correctly i don't even know what's up with moby now i should look for him online but um he was just like do you write songs and i was like 14 and i was like uh, uh, kind of he's like if god put songs in your heart don't be afraid to share it because that's a gift and i was like and then he walked away. And I was like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> and, um, and then like random things would happen. Like apparently there was like a guy named the Heavenly Man who like started like house churches in China. And it was like a supernatural visitation that happened. I was interested in all these supernatural things. One guy who had worked with him came to our youth group and prophesied over me. In Chinese, and I, mm. I didn't even know I was going to end up in China, but like, uh, so I was like, What is he saying to like <laughs> Apple, the Chinese delegate from Guangzhou? And she said, Oh, he said you're a Deborah. I'm like, Oh, great, cool, she's a female judge, nice, you know. I thought, Yeah, feminism, but then <laughs> when I researched her, she was actually a songwriter, and I didn't know that because you know, I wasn't so deeply researching my Bible characters at yeah. the time, and I was really surprised. And then I found myself in China writing songs mm. and all that jazz. Um, so you never did any recordings in the Philippines? I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. I credit it to my um, professor in university. Right. She made us write. Her name is Jennifer Santi. She's based in New York City now, and I hope to see her next year. She had a class called Creative Process. And I was in my second year in college, and she said, I want you to write a frustration paper. And you did communications, right? Yes. She's like, I want you to write a frustration paper. And I'm like, huh, what's that? And she's like, anything creative that you're frustrated with, write about it. So I thought it was a venting paper. So I was like, ah, you know, like, you know, I wish I could break into the music industry. And I just went all out. Little did I know that our independent project for the semester was to face our frustration. So other people chose cooking, painting, <laughs> and I wanted to break in the music industry. Yeah. And she said, I was like, I don't, how am I going to do that in a semester? I was like freaking out. She's like, just start somewhere, record a demo. And so what I did was, uh, I had made a friend who was like a recovering alcoholic, <laughs> who was like, I don't know if I can perform without alcohol. I'm like, just count your guitar picks and you'll be fine. I don't know why I came up with that, but it worked. And so I he worked for a music shop. His name was Bone. And I was like, hey, Bone, can you help me record a demo for my project? I don't have money, but I can buy you dinner every time. And so he because he worked at the music shop, he had like access to the rehearsal room and he had access to equipment. Mm. So I would pay for the rehearsal room 
and then well through my allowance <laughs> and then that's how I recorded my first demo oh. and then after that I got signed with a record deal um, with an independent studio mm. called Last Minute Productions and out of college and I was excited so I did part-time with Berlitz while I was doing that but a whole bunch of stuff happened where like the owners of that indie re- record label left and they left like teenagers and teenage boys in charge of the project and it just it was hard and then right before I left for China this charity really said you have really great songs and like this really talented producer said I want to redo it so he was reworking it and then his laptop got stolen mm. and then <laughs> and then so they were working on it and then finally released it it was a charity album for the real life foundation that helped give scholarships to to students but like it got released i was already in china so i didn't get to do the whole tour thing or whatever mm. um but i got to bring some of it to china and actually mm. share it with people different communities and was still able to help um but then i got sick for about five years like i had a hormone imbalance mm. i think it was to do with oral contraceptives in my opinion um but then i had like no energy i was sleeping nine hours a night and waking up exhausted and still going to work with marketing in a school so i like let it take the back burner i was just ministering and stuff and then later on when i got better and my metabolism started kicking in again when i got energy i was like i need to do everything (laughs) so i moved downtown with my partner at the time i started doing spoken word poetry started doing open mics and i just started coming alive again uh, i want to get back to the philippines yes uh why why shanghai it's not on everybody's list to sort of maybe it is for some people but you've got a story to tell if you if you come to shanghai there must be some sort of reason reasoning or what was the motivation to come here? Well, my partner and I did a TOEFL course. Mm-hmm. And the choices for job placement were Korea and China. And we were praying about it. And at the time, he said, Ooh, Korea has a really cool gaming laptops." <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, but there's something about China. And I was like, I know that I can't explain it either. I mean, mm. if it were up to me, I would want to go to Japan. Because, like, a lot of the clientele were this are Japanese and, and you know, I love Japanese food. Um, but then it just happened so quickly. Like, uh, one thing I knew, like, because I, I had stopped work and I was, like, helping him apply. Um, and he did the interview for English First in Starbucks. And the next thing I knew, in two weeks, he had an offer. And I was the first person on a spousal visa on an EF thing. Now, knowing what I know about salaries, I understand why. (laughs) But coming from the Philippines to China, I mean, you don't really know. It was still a big leap Mm, in terms of salaries. So we made it work. We were thankful for Family Mart. (laughs) Still thankful for Family Mart. (laughs) But, you know, when you're running low on cash, like, it's just like, yes, Family Mart. Although yeah. Seastar is pretty good food too. <laughs> that's how that's how Shanghai opened up. And what was your first impressions of Shanghai and coming from the Philippines? It's 
Oh, it was amazing. I mean, like the definitely more than the crouching tiger, hidden dragon that yeah. you see in like in the movies. Oh, I just love the metro back then. Now I love my scooter more. <laughs> and back then, our apartment wasn't available, so our first experience was actually staying with a Chinese family. Right. They were. She was like the secretary of like a pastor who worked here, and it was super funny because. The wife had never like met foreigners. She was like from Chongqing, but the husband like worked for the Hyatt Hotel, so he was like a bit more experienced. Right. She's like, "What do I feed them for breakfast?" <laughs> and he's like, "Just give them bread and milk." And literally, she gave us a piece of bread and a carton <laughs> of milk. Yeah. So it was either that or like her mom's like congee, like the the rice porridge that tastes like baby food. But I think she was so nice. She always wanted to feed us. But I think she kind of got the hint when we had our little croissants and and cheese in the fridge <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> and then I would have arguments with like the wife. Like she's like, "Stop feeding my husband cold drinks!" And I'm like, "But I brought juice, and I want to share." <laughs> so innocent. Yeah. And then, but then you said you started getting your name out there, going to open mics and whatnot. So, it, was that the sort of motivation that you needed to start playing again, playing live? Yeah, anything? I mean, definitely it started. Because you said that you've been here in Shanghai for eleven years now. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. So, what was the music scene like here in Shanghai? What was the theater stage like? Oh, I wasn't so involved with theater back then,、mm. but like、um, the place to do open mic back then with poetry and、uh, music was my place for Rins Bar, which is now I love Shanghai.、Uh, I heart Shanghai. The Camel also had an open mic once a month, run by some literary professor named Joe. But I started with the Shanghai Poets, which became International House of Poets. And eventually, that's where I met Giuseppe, where we did the magazine. For me personally, the first place I performed my original stuff after I started getting better was with my friend Emily Ka, a really talented electric guitarist. She's now in Canada. It was for a Women's Day festival called Lady、mm-hmm. Fest, and it was in a place called Basement Six,、right. where they have they used to have like these、um, vinyl records. And love like underground, like duck dancing, like very artsy、cool. kind <laughs> of like things. I miss that place. It used、nah. to be like a, like a, it looked like a bomb shelter and was like underneath Washington Park. Right, does not exist anymore.、Um, so that's how I started. But my first like big performance was it was to support the Dragonburn community. It was like an art collective at the market, and I perf- that's where I met Clem de la Creme,、right. who's one of my big influences and mentors in terms of performing. He's now back in the U.S. He studied mu. He went to study music in London for a bit, and now he's in the U.S. I'm starting to realize why you want to go to the U.S. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they were here, now they're in the U.S. She's in the U.S. He's in the U.S. You know. Yeah, and then of course there's my unicorn, but it's a whole other story. <laughs>、um, but like,、uh, I met Clem at the art collective, and I I sang my song "Wake Up Dreamer," and he sang a song called "Ooh La La." Which was his song, and it was about seizing the moment, and it was about if not now, then when.、Mm. And so I was like, "Hey, I really liked your stuff."、Um, oh, and he also sang like the spoken word chant interactive thing called hungry,、mm. like being hungry for something more. And so I feel like our ethos as artists is like really connected. 
and then that's when that's that's really spearheaded like my passion and motivation to like keep doing what I'm doing backtracking a bit Jen someone started because I thought it wasn't safe to put my last name on the internet so mm-hmm. it became Jen someone right. and then it started to have a deeper meaning when I realized all you need to be someone is to be yourself and true to mm. to thine own self be true I was gonna ask this because I thought it you might be like Madonna or something like that. Just, uh, you know, no, I'm like the artist formerly known as Prince. Okay. <laughs> right. So this was before the, the way before the musical then. Like I, I didn't. Yeah, know. that was serendipitous. Actually, <laughs> I was Jen someone since I was in university. So did Ivan sort of say, "Can I still that?" Or was that just no? We had already. You already had a song called "Someone." Right. Yeah, which is going to be out in the Logan story. Um, I will not be a spoiler. I will not sing it. <laughs> you have to see the musical. Um, but that was the first song he actually taught me from musical. But I didn't mm. end up singing it. I did write Spotlight for Lauren, though. Yeah. And I helped write Big City in some random clothing store that had a piano <laughs> mm. near chair club, that area. Yeah, going back to Clem. He was definitely a huge um, factor in in my growth as an artist here in Shanghai. So I want to honor him by mentioning him here. And we performed at the Pearl. The Pearl is special Mm. to me because um, it was supposed to be an experimental variety show where they wanted me to sing. And then I was like, okay, I want this to happen and the curtains to close and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wait. Aren't you just going to sing? Because, you know, like, when they want to put a musician there, they, it's like an intermission number. I'm like, but you called it an experimental laboratory, you know, like, variety show. So yeah. I want to experiment, too, because I'm not just a singer-songwriter. I'm a theater person, you know. I'm an artist. So I, I, I wanted, like, the whole act to symbolize the meaning of the song. Yes which is Wake Up Dreamer. So I had like a microphone behind the curtain, mm. a microphone in front of the curtain, and I kind of wanted it to be like me stepping out into my spotlight, yes. in my place. And then I planted Clem in the audience. So like when they think, okay, I'm about to end, and then all of a sudden like I break out into like a rhythmic muted, muted pattern, and all of a sudden he starts coming up and he's like, Wake Up Dreamer, you know, like... And he just starts rapping right. this acoustic song. So it was it was so fun, so memorable. And I still remember Grant. I didn't know who he was. He was taking pictures. And he goes, actually, I own this place. Yes. And he goes, keep writing songs. Mm-hmm. And um, it started there. And did I never even, stopped. Did you know his background? Because I've also interviewed Grant on the ba- and was like... Whoa. No, I don't. Oh, listen to the podcast. It's amazing. He Send just, me the link. He's just like... Burr! He's just like, so when did you start to sort of regularly start playing like live shows, live theater? When was this? What sort of year are we looking at? 2015 or 14? 2015. 14 maybe. Why did it take so long? Was it just like other things to do or, you know? I was sick. Yeah. And I didn't have the energy for it. Um, And I was also very busy with ministry. How hard, like, sorry to be personal, but how hard was that to be in, like, in like Shanghai? I mean, I can only go from my experiences with the medi- medical here, and and you can be very lucky, or it can be absolutely awful. Oh, so. it was a shit show. Yeah. Because, like, people just wanted to, like, eat your insurance and yes. not really help you. <laughs> 
Um, so I decided to, when I saw a naturopath who was actually operating out of her home, I decided to start doing my own research and was able to rebalance my gut and in, in effect rebalance my hormones. I don't, don't, don't you think that's the best thing, like re- doing your own research yes. and just like... I'm lucky I'm a nerd. <laughs> and trying to get your own sort of opinion and making your own yeah. sort of evaluation. Definitely advocate for yourself mm. as a as a patient. I also learned the benefits of chiropractic care. Mm. Yeah. Who was um thanks to serendipi- serendipitously ending up in a chiropractor's office when I injured my I had a peripheral nerve issue on my shoulder and I couldn't grip. So I ended up in Dr. Andrew May's office, and he was from Melbourne. Oh, come on. And he was like a big brother to me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was even talking to me about, because I talked to him about some of my issues growing up, and he talked about neuroemotional release therapy, and how our body holds on to like trauma. So I think some of my health issues aside from oral contraceptives, also probably had to do with challenges I had growing up. Um, which I know, you know, I don't think my parents ever, like, intended to do, but every everybody has their own thing mm-hmm. that they're going through, and when, when there are things that you lack growing up, like, part of the reason it took me so long to be more confident with music is I would have arguments about... I feel like God wants me to do music. How do you know that's not just you and it's God? And I know that it came from a place of trying to protect me from the industry. Mm. Uh, (laughs) The sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which probably will end up in your life whether or not you're in music, PT dubs. But... Um, <laughs> you don't have to be a musician to do that. <laughs> no, not at all. You just need to be your own alcohol. But that's anyway, right. that's all the thing. But like, um, that's the whole cliche. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be such a good kid. I took it to heart. I used to cry in my bathroom and ask God to take away my desire for music if it wasn't for me. And that that's is heavy. messed up. Yeah. To do that as a kid. Because now being like a homeroom teacher, it's like asking one of my kids to not be themselves. But I've, as an artist, I think I've always taken so many things to the extreme. Whether it was my spirituality, things my parents said, things people say. But it's part of what makes me a good artist. But it's also learning through my recovery program and stuff. Learning to detach, learning to know what to let go of learning to uh, grow from things instead of like living in the pain but yeah I think one of the most beautiful things I learned from when I went to media school in Thailand for eight weeks Mm. um, in 2015 after like I was sick and then I left I finished my contract with the job I just needed a break and I went there it was called media light and uh, Pastor Chuck, someone who headed the program, he left ministry to go to film school because he felt like media was the way to um, be most effective to communicate like hope and life because that's where people live in mm. media. Mm. And so I, I went to that school 
it was amazing and he was talking about well one the book living with a creative mind and and about how artists have to have like the duality of living with a deflated ego and inflate inflated ego because as an artist when you're on stage you need to be larger in life so that people can feel what you're feeling but then you also have to have those moments of a deflated ego where you're you're like in your emotions and raw and can write and create and I realized, oh, I'm not neurotic. This is normal as an artist. And then also talking about how our super pain can become our superpower. Mm. And I realized um, being vulnerable and sharing about my challenges isn't um, weak. It's actually strong and brave. And it actually makes us more united as people instead of trying to put on a mask. And I think as an artist, that is probably my greatest strength. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I'm not in this for the fame. If I if I get a bigger platform to share my music and my art, that's great because I can connect with more people. Mm-hmm. But I'm not in this to like get the so and so number of followers or you know, like I just want my music to touch people and I wanted to help people the way it helped me because as you said it's cathartic and it's what kept me sane (laughs) Mm, and it's it's i actually want to get a new tattoo i only have one which is wake up dreamer which is a song i wrote to myself to not die to my dreams um but a new tattoo i'm still thinking it's gonna be a butterfly but there's gonna be new words on it which is i am the music and the music is me because it's not what i do it's who i am so that's great motivation yeah <laughs> I want to talk more about the, someone the musical um, okay. and tell us um, sort of like the whole process of, of that I think I rejoined three months before the show so we had like started with two rehearsals a week and then built up to three rehearsals a week um, but that was like with the whole group. I was still doing stuff on my own and running lines with Mark. And just personally, uh, I mean, uh, did you get paid for this or is this just a passion project? It started out a long time ago as a passion project. And then just recently um, with this last show we did, um, half of it was going to go to the future someone. Sure. Um, and then half of it was profit share with everybody. That's so. cool. Yeah, because yeah. you, I like, I keep hopping on it, but I can just see the hours and hours and hours of work behind this. I know money is not a motivation for for you, but uh, yeah, you're playing your own music. You know, learning the lines. It was just a really good. And I mean, at, we didn't even know about the profit share until after the show. So. And you did two shows, right? Or you just did the one show? Two. Saturday and Sunday. Right. Mm. So when when <laughs> when I saw you, did you was your microphone not on at the start? Uh, I think if it was Sunday, yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like I thought it was flipped on and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you, yeah, your voice was loud enough to hear it. I'm <laughs> going. And then and then when we when we did follow me now, one of my castmates like. Right. Oh, cool, cool. Right. 
that was amazing and I really recommend people go to the next one as well if you didn't see it this time yeah it was a really good performance and for your music now you were talking about your band Twilight Century, Century. yes but Twilight Century is not also I also saw a picture on your Facebook saying uh, Sound Heal Sound Heals Oh, I recently did a show, a mall show for um, a friend's company that uh, booked artists at a mall called One East. It's a pretty new mall near the Bund. Mm. And they had a whole bunch of artists from all over the world, Tyler included, oh. played for them. Um, Tyler's everywhere. He's <laughs> just like the man, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, well, they needed another artist because at first... I was supposed to do five shows and then the client changed the time like to the middle of the day and I couldn't do that because I have a day job. Mm. So I was like, why don't you ask Tyler? I know that he can during the day. So that happened. So I played two solo shows and then yesterday, just yesterday, Chad and I did a 30-minute mall show. It's been a while since I've done a mall show so it was really took me back. Um, So before I forget, with your solo show... Yeah. Did you play that first song that you wrote in the Philippines? No. <laughs> Why not? I don't remember it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I just have so much new material that I right. wanted to play. So I played the uke and I played the guitar. Come on. And uh, yeah, just all originals. So I was happy to do it. Yeah. But I'm really excited. I didn't get to talk about my electro electro organic yeah. band. Oh, I've written it down here. So. Ciao, <laughs> uh, die. Yeah, tell us about this. I see, I see a video of a guy, a DJ, and a violinist. Tell us about this. <laughs> How did it all come about? So, Chow Dai began as Clem de la Creme, Lev Zepp, and Jen Someone. And it was, again, a Women's Day concert called Lady Fest Summer Concert Series. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to be all girl power kind of <laughs> feminist show i said for me feminism is about equality and get gaining mutual respect from you know my male counterparts and clem as it as you know has been like one of those male friends he's like my homeboy who's really shown me mutual respect as a female artist and love as well and so i'm like hey guys you want to it always happens to me i'm like you want a collaboration and then so we had a collaboration oh first it was Lev and I I was just going to his house recording on his zoom and then writing some stuff for his the music he produced and then later on we had this collaboration and and everyone was like oh my god what's the name of your band you guys are rock and we got like interviewed by some media thing that we lost the footage of um and then for a long time, it was just JCL because we had no idea what to call ourselves. And then um, eventually, we, we played a lot at the beer fests at Beer Nanza out in Okura Garden. And we got people to, to, to like dance. And then like we shot the music video through... I edited the music video, but like uh, one of our uh, two of our friends were doing footage like during rehearsals during performances at Uniontown for Lady Fest as well mm. and um, that's what, how we, we did Snakebite but it took two freaking years to finish the EP wow. because like again a computer crashed 
And then we all, then Clem's like, oh, you can do better vocals. So then we were at his <laughs> bad cave and we were doing the vocals. But we persevered and I released it off DistroKid just, um, I think, just last year. Right. It was part of the things I wanted to do when I got back and was back on my feet. And I wanted to, you know, release our stuff. And I'm proud of our work. I mean, if I get a chance to do like a reunion gig with Jardai in the U.S., mm. I think that would be great. I honestly think our music would be great in like um, soundtracks and stuff. We call it electro-organic because it was a combination of electronically produced music and live instrumentation. So um, Lev also played the keyboard, the synth. And he also played the violin. Hmm. Clem plays bass, but for, for this band, like he did most of the rapping. Uh, and I did, you know, the hooks and, and singing over several so, checks. So the EP actually coming out, because it says here, uh, the trio will be releasing their first EP this summer. Oh, that's an old article. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. So yes. it was released last year. Um, okay. The Carrier single, single is called Snake Bite. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and I also rap. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Uh, the music video that I shot when coronavirus was hitting Shanghai was called So Sick. <laughs> and it was nothing related to coronavirus, but it was about being so sick of this passive-aggressive behavior of this girlfriend of my ex-best friend. <laughs> and it was just about, yeah about that (laughs) that situation and it was basically a song to her there is a sequel coming up to that particular diss track it was my first ever diss track in my life i think it was pretty sick actually (laughs) and um (laughs) it's called dear bro and i will be recording that with tyler soon i was supposed to record with him on sunday but didn't hear from him after a uh really early morning call video call with Jack and Tyler and he's like we're still drinking and I'm like (laughs) and I'm like oh he goes someone wants to talk to you and it's Jack doing a hilarious impression of Tyler and then he's like press record press record I'm like Jack this is a video call (laughs) but he goes okay okay show up at two two o'clock I'm like yo Tyler you alive I didn't hear from him until seven o'clock at night but I'm like it's okay make it up to me another day yeah I'm excited to work with Tyler, though. I've heard yeah, great things fun. about him, and I've seen his music and his studio, and I'm really yeah. excited that they, you know, they built it with their bare hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's called Cube Studio. Tyler, I'm plugging it for you. Come on. Book the rehearsal space. Book some recording time. Crank out your stuff. Whereabouts is it? Whereabouts is yeah, it? Yeah, right across from Pine Tree. Oh, yeah. how convenient. <laughs> a nice little, nice little area. Yeah, yeah. cool. So and Tyler's you... easy to work with in recording. I actually recorded on the 5th of May. Uh, Jack helped me with some guitars, and I did the vocals there. Uh, he was really easy to work with. As if, you can't, if you can't work with Tyler, I think you've got some problems. <laughs> he's just a... Oh, he's a sweetheart. He is. He's just a... a... I love you, Tyler. <laughs> All right, I'm not so saying this because I want the discount. I think you're <laughs> So you, you've been through your ups and downs with health and, uh, you know, family. Uh, you know. Family, divorce, death, you name it. Yeah, <laughs> <so> Pandemic. <laughs> Life. But we, but we all go through it. So what, what would you say to an inspiring musician that wants to 
be like a, a recording artist or a singer or a vocalist, what advice would you give them if they're starting off? All you need to be someone is to be yourself. Just keep at it. Mm. And find the right people in your inner circle. And find mentorship. Mm. Find the right people in your dreamer's corner. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. And what do you have up and coming gigs? Yeah, this Wednesday I'll be performing with uh, Chad Michael, uh, who is the other part of Twilight Sanctuary. For now we're a duo, but we're open to jamming with other musicians. (laughs) Hey, Craig! (laughs) I might be available. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, part of the reason this band is really special is both Chad and I do agree that like music is a sanctuary for mm. us mm. and it became Twilight even though I was going I hope they don't think we're into the vampire series um, <laughs> as um, we first started rehearsing and it was sunset at his apartment mm. and we started playing an avocado and it was like sunset across the mountains there you go so it became Twilight Sanctuary wow. that's how it was born Initially, it was we were thinking of calling it Sound Sanctuary, but then when we looked at who else owned the name, we were like, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just also didn't want to get in trouble with trademarks and stuff. Yes. But yeah, I'm really excited about this duo. Mm. I'm also really excited to finish recording the 5th of May, which is a very special track for me. It was inspired by my... Comet, and <laughs> Ivan also helped um, arrange yeah. it. Do you have these code names for you? <laughs> <laughs> Only for him. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> um, I can't stop giggling when I talk about it. Oh my God. Anyway, yeah, the fifth of Bay is a very special song. It's it's an anthem of hope. It's also an opportunity to showcase my rock vocals, Mm -hmm. which not many people have heard just yet. And I love the dirty guitars that Jack did on it. And I actually... Oh, Jack does the guitars? Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. And um, on that track, I just feel so privileged and blessed that people believe in my music Mm. and um, are willing to contribute their time and talent to this song, specifically this song, it's so special to me. I'm gonna shoot a music video when I'm done with the track. Mm. I already have like a video artist in mind too. I have so much to be grateful for and I'm really happy with the direction which my life is going. And so here's a follow-up question then. So what's about the comment? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, what's the plans for the future then? Oh, I'm planning to move to Boston. So what Boston. What about all your musical, you know, here? It's going to be it's gonna be a shame to leave, leave this all behind, right? Oh, I'm never leaving music behind. But I'm just saying like, what you've created here. I mean, that's why I want to lay the recordings down, release it. Right. And have everything on social media, have mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like a library of work to take with me. Yes. And hey, my bandmates are in the U.S. And it's Boston. Come on, come to Boston. <laughs> and it's Boston. It's like it's like one of the art centers in the world too. Yeah. And um, I believe wherever I go, I will 
I will meet the right people. And so, I need to I, I need to stop running away from my heart. And I feel like, like in all honesty, I was just like, I need to leave China and I don't know where to go. But I want to be near, I want to be near my comet. Mm-hmm. And I don't want him to just be a comet anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want him to, want, I don't want him to just be a friend with possibilities, but to be, to possibly get a chance to try because if you hear the lyric of the 5th of May, it's actually our whole story. I mean, it's like, can I narrate a bit? This, like, the, the song, it's like, um, sure. Breathe in, breathe out, let my heart break, even just a little bit. I'm happy but I'm sad, we didn't take the chance. Life goes on, gotta live with it. I once asked you the question if we lived in the same city, could we make this work? You said absolutely. Now here we are, two worlds apart, holding out hope for geography. Keep returning to the night that we had. Close my eyes and find that we transcend everything. Shake the memory so I'm bracing myself for someday. Make every day the 5th of May. That's a teaser. <laughs> That's why it's called the 5th of May. Because it happened around Cinco de Mayo. You should have brought your guitar over and just done a... I have, I have like a teaser. I have a teaser. Well, maybe maybe we could put like a like the audio some a teaser at the start of the podcast, like we do with a lot of the other bands and musicians that come in. Ooh, off the fifth of May. Yeah. Well, when when is it about? When is it due to be released? Uh, when it's done. <laughs> um, maybe, but maybe we could do like a teaser at the start. Uh, with Jack's it. dirty guitars. I mean, the, Chad already like laid the bass down on Thursday last week, mm. and um, he was putting in the drums. So it's pretty much just mixing and mastering after yeah. that. Soon, sometime in November. Come on. Even just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're getting exclusive. Take the chance. We're gonna get this podcast out like, very quickly. <laughs> huh? Tell us about your social medias. Where can we find Jen Someone? Oh, uh, on Instagram, you can find me by typing Jen Someone. <laughs> pretty much straightforward. And I'm also on Facebook, I guess. But it pretty much just replicates what on what's on Instagram. Do you have a Jen Someone Facebook? Yes. Oh, cool. And also, you can search for Jaodai, Z-H-A-O-D-A-I, on Spotify, you cool. know, our our EP is out there. You can also search "So Sick," which is my diss track single. Um, also on Spotify, I also have a video on YouTube for "So Sick" and for "Snakebite" with Jao Dai. I think during social media, that's pretty much it. And I guess you know, in China, it's my WeChat, but I'm not going to publicize that. <laughs> do you have like a, like a, uh, what do you call it, a, 
a group? Oh, yeah. Um, right now, the group that I have, Dreamers Corner group on WeChat, um, that it started out with stuff I was updating about me, but then I just kind of wanted it to be a place where people can have opportunities to like do their art and and get information on how to explore like mm-hmm. what they creatively want to do. Kind of like the creative process thing, except with a community of people to support. But it's, it's not that active these days. Um, I started a new group for Twilight Sanctuary. Mm. Yeah, because I pretty much want that to be the focus. And the 5th of May, but that's for people playing on the track. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you do later. But yeah, I mean, a lot of my really great songs have been inspired by my comet. So props to him for being my muse. I'm really excited about being able the to see him in person. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to open up all these different ideas for songs and when you get over there, all new musicians, you know, it's going to be fun. And going back to school. That's great. Uh, When are you coming to either visit or play shows in Australia? Oh, no clue. It hasn't even crossed my mind, but... Well, now Now you're going to have this fan base now. (laughs) Well, I mean, I do have cousins in Sydney and friends in Sydney. Right. So if given the opportunity and if travel is easier, then why not? I'm just north of Sydney and they've opened the borders. Come on. Yay. <laughs> I have to get to Boston first. And yeah, but yeah. <laughs> One step at a time, right? <laughs> yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually grateful to be in a place where I just feel very open courageous feeling like i have nothing to lose and everything to gain and i love i love that and uh, i had elsa i don't know if you know Elsa. i do yeah um and she's doing something very similar here as well she quit a job as a principal to become a full-time musician and she's just going to risk it all you know a job you know doing this and i just i love that i love those sort of stories that they just focus on something and they're just passion we just want to do it i love it and i love your story as well your favorite don't think about it just whatever comes to your mind as of today your top two or three favorites all right are you ready jen yes okay so obviously musician so let's go with music i want to know who are your top two or three favorite musicians of all time or bands that always changes depending on the season but i guess for now as of today as of today alanis morissette come on because she inspired me to write music isn't that ironic yes (laughs) (laughs) it's like rain (laughs) and it's a toss out for the second one Mm -hmm. um clem de la creme because he's my friend and mentor, Ivan Matsumoto. Come on! As a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, your top three favorite albums of all time? Oh, I, I like Jagged Little Pill. I also liked uh, Curbside Prophet by jo- Jason Mraz. Mm-hmm. I met him when he did a tour in Manila. I had to act all professional because I was like with the teen advisory board of Seventeen magazine. But inside I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and I got him to throw his sh- exchange shoes 
with someone. Yeah, right. I was like, throw your <laughs> shoes! And he's like, what? <laughs> but my friend deserved it because he's like Jason Mraz since like bootleg era. Hmm. I also really enjoy being mobile. I, I, there's a part I didn't share, which was um, working for Sony Music. Mm. I interned with Sony Music Philippines. Right. And I actually worked my thesis with with Sony Music. I did street marketing for music marketing for uh, Crow Left of the Murder, mm. Incubus, when it came out yeah, right. in the Philippines. And I think it was pretty, I think it was pretty effective. I think I need to get better at doing that for myself. Mm. It feels a little bit more awkward. I feel like for me, I just naturally, organically wish that people would just know <laughs> and just come support. But I actually think it would be fun to mobilize people to spread the ethos of being true to yourself and without it sounding so cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Interesting. I'm trying to think any other albums. I like Jars of Clay. If it comes to like contemporary Christian music, I really like Jars of Clay. Mm. I think they're really talented and underrated. Switchfoot is good too. Um, there's a lot of really talented like Christian musicians, mm. and it's just really sad that sometimes because they label themselves Judge. as mm. Christian musicians, like a lot of doors yeah, are closed. Which is why I don't want to be labeled as a Christian musician, mm. even though I do consider myself Christian, mm. but not in a very religious sense. Uh, movies. Movies. Your top three of two or three favorite movies of all time. Cinematography wise, I really like The Fall. It is my favorite horror movie. I like The Ring. Come on. But like the Japanese one. Oh, the Japanese one. Right. The Hollywood one is just too over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Last one. Mm-hmm. Who is your greatest inspiration slash hero? And why? Mm. Two people. Mm-hmm. First one, her name is Joyce. Joyce uh, Meyer Titelar. She was my first mentor back in university. She she ran a radio show called Against the Flow. She guested me as a performer, and um, she also gave me an opportunity to do script writing mm. and host the show on the radio. And until today, she still checks in on me like I'm her, um, like her own daughter. And she understood me in ways that nobody's understood me and believed in me, even when it felt like nobody believed in me. And Clem, Clem Milligan, because he inspires me to keep moving forward and just being myself and like even though we don't talk every day anymore and we're not in the back cave recording <laughs> like just the other night when I was having a grief hit I was up at 2 in the morning and talking to him and we were rocking out to each other's songs you know sharing our music and yeah and I guess the third one would be my comment because I probably shouldn't mention his name just because he's very introverted and shy and if it's on the podcast, I don't know how you feel about it. But like, um, I was just, I just sent him a message the other day. You saw me when I tried to hide. You effortlessly found a way beyond the fortress. 
You were an anchor when I felt tossed by wave after wave of chaos. You reminded me of my strength when I felt too tired to carry on. You reminded me what it means to remember my beauty is untainted by the sorrows of this life. You dilute the viscous waters of grief with your presence in life. All this from a thousand miles away. I can only imagine how good life could be when proximity is no longer an issue. Again, dear comment, I want you in my life closer and within an embrace's reach because you've taught me so much just by being you. Wow. <laughs> True love, right there. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I just, I, all I'm praying for is a chance to chat. I'm not going to pretend to dictate what it is and no. just going to embrace it for what it will be. That's like life. <laughs> don't don't push it in the right in one direction just see how it goes you know what's ironic aside from Alanis' song <laughs> is my former best friend said you have to meet this guy from Boston and I was like I don't want to meet boys I just want to hang out with my friends because like after my separation I was just not in that mode I wanted to be one of the guys I just wanted to be by myself I met him and I, and I was so like I'm an artist and so judgy. I was just like I don't like him. He's boring. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally my best friend. He's like, give him a chance. He's from Boston. He needs time to warm up. Blah, what, blah, what, blah. What, what is it? What does that make a difference where he's from? I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue what he meant. But that same night, he was like, Hey, do you want to dance? Like, cause we were celebrating our other friend's birthday, and I was just like. Sure, and I thought I was so dense. I thought like the whole group was gonna go dance, mm. and then he just took my hand like a kid, you know, like like hey, come with me, and like pulled me to the dance floor, and I was just like, you know, usually if any guy I didn't really know like touch yeah. me, and you had flinch, I would you know, but it felt like the most natural thing, mm. and then we ended up at the dance floor, and I was like, where is everybody? And so it was just him and me. And um, well, and then the rest of the people getting down to hip hop but live our own. Yeah. Um, but it was so interesting because it's like he danced close to me, but not too close. And he looked up at me like I was the queen of the universe. Mm. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I said, well, this is not boring. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, we were like kissing and... Um, and I was like, we should go find our friend. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> but then, like, we spent two of the most magical nights together. And literally, I had not seen this side of the bond the eight years I had been here. And we just wandered off. He led the way. And fairy lights appeared. I'm not kidding. Fairy lights appeared on the ground. Uh. And, 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 yeah, it was like we had the whole city to ourselves, as he said. It was like we almost transcended everything around this well jam on that note great story amazing musician i love your passion you, you've been down you've been you know kicked to the ground but you got up and i always respect people that, that do that and you know you're following a, a dream you're following your heart so i've been there too so i totally understand so all the best and I'm glad we're actually getting to know each other beyond just seeing each other around. There you go. Yeah. All the best with the music. Thank you. Don't be a stranger to Shanghai. 
and uh, come back on when you've got another band or other music that you want to promote? I have this determination to not leave Shanghai with my tail between my legs. And I want to be able to say, cheers, thank you. Hello, Boston. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, Jen. Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com.